Our gospel lesson this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 21 through 40. Hear now the word of God. When the eighth day came, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was in Jerusalem a man whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for having me here today. It is an honor to be with you. I bring greetings from First Presbyterian Church in Durham, North Carolina, where I am a member as well as from Duke Divinity School in Durham, where I am a doctoral student in New Testament. When I was born, when my parents left the hospital with me, they didn't go straight home. Instead, before going home and settling in with their new baby, they went to Ruby's house. Ruby was in her early 60s and ran a daycare center out of her home. My parents first met Ruby when my older sister was born two years previously, and Ruby had already been helping to take care of my older sister for the first two years of her life. 
And so, with their new second baby in tow, my parents just couldn't resist stopping by Ruby's house so that she could be one of the first people to meet me. As I grew up, my sister and I continued to be in Ruby's daycare. We were cared for by Ruby. We cried with Ruby. We went on lots of long walks with Ruby as we all loudly sang hymns around the neighborhood. Ruby became a close friend of the family, and my dad often joked that she was our surrogate grandmother. As I got older, Ruby was there at my birthday parties. She took my sister and I shopping and to the movies. And even in high school, my sister and I would stay at her house for a long weekend. And when we did stay with her, Ruby would give us big bags of jelly bellies, you know, those really good jelly beans. And because so many of the flavors are named after fruits, she would call it our fruit salad. And Ruby made sure to that we would tell our parents when we went home that we eat lots of fruit salad at Ruby's house. Ruby is now in her late 80s, and I now live on the other side of the country from Ruby. But we still keep in touch over the phone. In fact, a few weeks ago, I called to wish her a happy 89th birthday. And this summer, I was able to fly across the country to visit her for a weekend, the first time I've done that in several years. For me, intergenerational relationships, like my friendship with Ruby, have been so important in my life. Ruby gave me a love for walking that I still have. Ruby taught me about the Bible, the same Bible that I continue to preach about. And Ruby continues to teach me about the experience of being a Christian while aging. Age-diverse relationships matter. And in my experience, the church has such an important role in intergenerational relationships. Church is one of the few places many of us go where there are people from all walks of life and every age of life. And it's when we're around people who are different from us, including people who are different ages from us, that we're able to learn more about life, about each other, about God. One of my seminary professors says that your doctoral dissertation is sometimes your autobiography. And I think that that's true of me. As you heard earlier, the focus of my dissertation is age young, old, and in-between, in Luke's Gospel and Acts. I argue that Luke's vision of the kingdom of God includes people of every age, and that Luke's Gospel and Acts recognize both the joys and the limitations that come with different stages of life. And although I didn't realize it when I landed on this topic, this idea of age inclusivity is something that has been a key part of my life since the day I was born. Now, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here. For those of us who are part of church communities, we often already know the benefits of being in a church with those who are older or younger than us. If you're an older adult, you may appreciate seeing children around. If you're a child, it probably feels good to know that there are other adults here besides your parents who love you and want the best for you. And yet, for those of us who are part of church communities, perhaps we also know the challenges of embracing all ages. How do we keep children engaged through a long service? 
How do we make our church seem welcoming to young people while also being welcoming to older adults? I think our gospel lesson today gets at some of these questions. Our passage shows us that the age inclusivity that we strive for is at the very heart of the Christian tradition, rooted in the person of Jesus himself as revealed in scripture. In our scripture passage today, we find the child Jesus, who is just a young baby. And Jesus goes to the temple in Jerusalem so that his parents can present him to the Lord. While they're at the temple, they meet Simeon and Anna, people who are righteous and who recognize just how special the baby Jesus is. And Simeon and Anna are older adults. Anna, in fact, is one of the few people in the New Testament whose specific age is given, 84 years. Simeon isn't specified quite as clearly as an older adult, but it seems to imply that he is. First, because Simeon is paired with Anna, who is 84, and second, because he seems to anticipate his death. Luke tells us that it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And once he holds Jesus, Simeon says to God, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, using the word dismissing as a euphemism for death. So in the scene, we have the baby Jesus, the older adults, Anna and Simeon, and Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph. We don't know their ages, but they're probably somewhere in between. Later tradition often records that Mary is a young woman and that Joseph is an older man, but Luke doesn't tell us, leaving it up to us to wonder, to imagine, as the children here imagined earlier. In any case, here we have an age-diverse scene, a scene where an older adult is enthralled at the chance to hold a baby, a scene something like you might be used to in this church building, a scene something like my parents presenting me to Ruby as a baby, except, of course, that I am not Jesus, as a disclaimer. And I don't want us to overlook how important this scene is, and even how unusual this scene is. The New Testament really doesn't talk about age that much. Think about it. We don't hear about Paul's childhood. We don't see Jesus live into old age. We don't know how old James is or John. In comparison, the Old Testament talks about age a lot. The Old Testament has so many characters, many of whom are specified as children, young adults, or older adults. In fact, we see characters like Moses or David in their childhoods, throughout their lives, and into old age. Perhaps you once colored um, a picture of Moses in the basket as he was a baby, and perhaps a different picture of Moses as an older man leading the nation of Israel. When we come to the New Testament, much of this focus on age disappears. The New Testament was written in a very short time period, which means that we simply don't have time to see people live from youth to old age. And the New Testament authors largely thought that Jesus was going to come back soon. So perhaps they thought that the particular concerns of different ages don't matter that much in the broader scheme of things. But Luke is the great exception. In the midst of the broader New Testament that does not address age very much, 
Luke's gospel begins with a concentrated focus on diverse ages. The opening chapters of Luke focus on the births of two children, John the Baptist and Jesus. John's parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, are older adults. Luke tells us twice of Zechariah and three times of Elizabeth that they are advanced in years far too old to have children. And then, as we heard in our scripture reading today, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple to meet the elderly Anna and Simeon. In these early chapters, focusing on the birth and growth of Jesus, an age-diverse community is present and named over and over. And in fact, Luke's gospel is the only gospel to tell us Jesus' age at all, and it does so three times. Luke notes when Jesus is eight days old at his circumcision, that was in our reading this morning, when Jesus is 12 years old when he will teach in the temple, and when he is about 30 years old when his ministry begins. Luke seems to think that it is really important to show that Jesus himself was a child, that Jesus himself grew up gradually, and that he knows what it's like to be a child and to be an adult. The point is this. For Luke, age diversity is a key part of God's reign on earth. God's reign includes all people, male and female, Jew and Gentile, young and old, and everyone in between or outside of these categories. And in Luke's account, age diversity is not only important for the followers of Jesus and the church community, it's not just important for us today. Age diversity was also a formational part of Jesus' own upbringing. The same Jesus who as a child was held by Simeon and was told how loved he was, that same child would grow up to welcome the little children around him. In fact, when Jesus' own disciples will later try to keep children from coming to him, Jesus responds, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. I can't help but wonder if Jesus' own experience of being nurtured as a child helped him to learn the importance of welcoming in children. After all, in the scene in the temple that we've read today, it's the child Jesus who is the focus of the story. Jesus' parents want to dedicate this child to the Lord, and so they bring him to the temple. Jesus can't go by himself. Simeon holds him and recognizes him as God's salvation. Anna speaks about the child Jesus to those around her, giving words when the child Jesus is not able to speak yet. These people all recognize how important the child Jesus is and that the child Jesus is a child of God. The baby Jesus matters both for who he will be in the future, but also for who he is now as a child. And it's not just children who are included in this story. As the youth minister at my church likes to say, adults are people too. And the story from Luke also centers older adults, Simeon and Anna. And it gives a nuanced view of aging by recognizing both the challenges that come with old age, but also the joys and gifts that come with a long life. 
Simeon, after all, is presented as someone who has amazing insight, someone who has been waiting for God's Messiah and who recognizes that person as Jesus. But what strikes me in particular is the emphasis on Simeon's sight. The Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. When Simeon holds Jesus, he says to God, My eyes have seen your salvation. Now, all of this language about Simeon's sight stands out in light of the fact that Simeon is an older adult. In the ancient world, like today, older adults often struggled with poor vision and the loss of other senses. And so there's a couple different ways we can read this focus on Simeon's sight. On the one hand, perhaps this narrative is saying that Simeon still retained a good sense of sight, perhaps something that was relatively rare for someone his age. In this way, Simeon illustrates that not all older adults are characterized by a loss of senses. But on the other hand, I wonder if the narrative is talking about Simeon seeing more metaphorically. Perhaps the focus on seeing Jesus reflects not seeing Jesus with his eyes, but rather holding Jesus, or in some other way sensing Jesus in a way that Simeon's eyes could not do on their own in old age. After all, it says that Simeon wouldn't see death, a more metaphorical use of seeing, before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So maybe seeing Jesus is also metaphorical, but just as real. Maybe Simeon is someone who indeed does have poor vision, as many people would, who nonetheless is able to perceive Jesus even better than those around him who still retained good vision. Maybe Simeon's age even benefits him, as his many years of following God help him to recognize exactly who Jesus is. Whichever way we read it, whether in spite of his age or because of his age, the narrative emphasizes Simeon's sense of perception, but also takes seriously the fact that older adults may often struggle with their sense of sight and other diminished senses. And yet, Simeon in some way sees and proclaims who Jesus is, being one of the first people to recognize the importance of Jesus. Or take Anna, this 84-year-old prophet who spends her time in the temple even as she has lived for decades with the loss of her husband. Here is a widowed woman who speaks God's word to all of those around her, who celebrates new life even as she lives with loss. Jesus isn't able to speak yet, one of the limitations of being an infant, and so Anna speaks for him, filling in the gap, using her long life of faith to give words to what the person of Jesus means. Anna is another older adult who has experienced both joy and grief and who brings her whole self to God in a way that perhaps she only could as a woman in old age. Friends, I think we can be both encouraged and challenged by this text. How can we think about the different gifts and limitations that come with different stages of life? And how can we ensure that people of all ages are able to use their gifts in the church community while also being supported in their limitations? What does it really mean to be an intergenerational church? 
And what does it mean to extend this age-inclusive focus beyond our church walls? How can we include and support all people, from the very youngest to the very oldest? And in all of this, how can we be guided by the person and life of Jesus Christ, who himself was nurtured by people of all ages, and who in turn gave his life for people of all ages? As we navigate these questions, we can know that we have forebears in scripture of every age, people who know the joys and limitations that we face no matter how old we are. We are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses like Jesus and John, Mary and Joseph, Anna and Simeon, witnesses who use the gifts and drawbacks of their particular ages to point to God's work in the world. This age-diverse community nurtures Jesus and is the root of Jesus' own age-inclusive vision of the kingdom of God, a vision we should still strive to bring to life. Amen.